Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Alejandro Zuniga here with me. We're going to talk Michigan basketball. The Wolverines just finished their regular season. They are 17-13. and 13. They went 11-9 and nine in Big Ten play. A little bit of the, the regular season or, or recapping this final stretch of games that they had. We'll look at the, the bracket situation. What is at stake? In the Big Ten tournament, we'll talk about whether they have a March run in them. Did they show enough in their in their most recent win at Ohio State to suggest that maybe it's not just about getting in the tournament anymore? Maybe they've got got a second weekend in them. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Juwan Howard being, I guess, reinstated as his suspension is up um, as as head coach of the Wolverines. What impact that will have, and then we'll do a little bit of a preview of at least Michigan's. First game against Indiana, maybe we can peek ahead a little bit of Illinois, offer some some thoughts on on the Big Ten tournament. There'll be some other little stuff along the way. And, of course, if you want to read more about the Michigan basketball team, go to the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Uh, Alejandro and I have tons of stories going up pretty much each day. We'll continue to have more and more. He, leading up to our trip down to Indianapolis, we'll be on site to cover the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Alejandro, it's your first, it's your first Big Ten tournament, so um, uh, welcome, welcome to the club. So first, I want to want to ask you about this Ohio State game. At first, it looked pretty dicey. I mean, they didn't have Hunter Dickinson. Obviously, Jawan Howard has been out. Hunter Dickinson had a had a stomach bug. Um, I think most fans, when they heard that news, maybe in the the pre the pregame show ahead of the game, they're kind of like, I don't know about that because Ohio State had just uh, pretty soundly beat. Michigan State in in Columbus and and they're a good team they're a tournament team they're you know they they kind of fell out of the Big Ten title chase but they're they're a good fourth or fifth team in the league uh and 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 pretty good at home they'd already beaten Michigan in Ann Arbor and then that first half you know seemed like Michigan was hanging on for a little while but then then Ohio State has an eight nothing run kind of close to halftime so they take a seven point lead into the break and then I think I don't know what you think, Alejandro. I, I think it might have been maybe Michigan's best second half of the whole season. You know, they, a lot of times when they've won, they, they come out firing. They're up by 10 early, and they just kind of hang on. This was a, a rare, true comeback where they, they start the, the second half. I want to say it was like a 19-6 to run, uh, something like that. They take a 12-point lead at one point, so maybe it was even more than that. 28-9 maybe was the, was the best run at one point. But really triumphant win. Felt like Devontae Jones stepped up in a way. He's been pretty good for a while, but in a way that maybe he hasn't stepped up all season. You saw Terrence Williams scoring 17 points off the bench. Your thoughts on on that win over Ohio State and the impact that it has, or that it has on your perception of this team. Obviously the team, they've been talking all year that they're capable of this. They blew out Purdue. They blew out Indiana. they've, They've had some really impressive wins this season. Blew out Michigan State just a few days ago. But to me, the, the comeback and the on-the-road aspect and being without Hunter Dickinson, uh, to me, that showed, showed me a different side of Michigan uh, uh, just a little bit. What are your thoughts on Michigan's win and, and the impact that, or on your perception of them? Yeah, Zach, that, that's, that's a lot to unpack there. And that was, a very, that was a very eventful Sunday morning into Sunday afternoon into Sunday evening. Uh, I don't know necessarily if it was their best second half of the season, but I think it's certainly their most surprising 
the first half to me felt a lot like the first half at Michigan State, uh, where where Michigan was hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, making some tough shots, and you just kind of felt like that wouldn't be sustainable after halftime for another 20 minutes. Uh, I think Terrence Williams deserves all the credit for that first half. And Phil Martelli gave it to him. Uh, talking to him after the game, he said that Terrence Williams buzzer beater to end the first half to, to close the first half down nine or down seven instead of down nine uh, to stem that eight Oh run from Ohio state. And then Michigan got the ball coming out of halftime. Uh, that really helped settle the team. And when you then look at the second half, the second half was Devonte Jones and the whole game was Devonte Jones, but you really saw the improvements that he has made. You know, he got a lot of flack from Michigan fans in November and December. And in some ways deservedly. So he came in with very high expectations. He had tested the NBA draft waters. He, you know, he was reigning Sunbelt player of the year, we all saw his highlight tape from Coastal, and he he came to Michigan and looked a little bit out of his element for those first few weeks of the season. But you look at his performances in 2022, he has been fantastic. He has been just about everything Michigan fans could hope for, and he really put that together on Sunday against Ohio State. And I think that bodes very well for the team as it now approaches the Big Ten Tournament heading into the NCAA tournament, which they may have just stamped, stamped their spot. Yeah. Well, I'm curious if, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see about the, the stamping your spot. Cause I agree with you. I think that was a statement win. I think, I think anyone who is on the selection committee who saw that game is like, yeah, Michigan looks like a tournament team. Uh, 17 and 13 is, is not quite their potential. I mean, there's potential that, that enough teams pass them. I think, I think two teams, uh, that that kind of got themselves off the bubble this weekend were also Memphis and North Carolina. And so I'm curious, I mean, not every team is going to be off the bubble, right? Some teams are going to be popped. And so uh, we'll talk about maybe the Big Ten implications, bracket implications in a second. But in terms of, let's let's suppose for now that they get in. Because I think if the seat, if they were picking the field today, Michigan would be in. We'll see how conference tournament stuff shakes out and everything. Um, how many bids get stolen, you know, with, with those smaller conference teams and things like that. But in terms of if they were in the tournament today, the question would be, you know, is this a team that makes the tournament and kind of that's the end? Uh, that's it's, it's maybe like a 2016 team that was on the bubble, on the bubble, they get in the tournament to kind of salvage the season. Uh and then that's the end, or is this a team that really has has a run in them? Maybe like the 2017 team that was on the bubble, on the bubble, and then all of a sudden they just take off. Now that team had Derek Walton Jr., and he was playing at a first-team All-Big Ten level. This team, maybe they don't have Derek Walton Jr., but I, I do, personally, I, I think that there is a second weekend team in on this roster. I think, you know, Devontae Jones, you bring up a great point. As soon as the calendar switched, He's really been fantastic. I mean, big time play. I think he, uh, this is off the top of my head, he averaged 11 and a half points, uh, four and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, and about two turnovers per game. I mean, those are, those are great numbers. If, if people, maybe some people had outside, outsized expectations for him, but I always said if he can provide 10 to 12 points a game, 
he's helping Michigan a lot. You know, that's you can't expect someone to transfer from a mid-major program to a high major and and keep their scoring intact. Every once in a while it happens, but but Mike Smith didn't do that. Uh, Devontae Jones didn't do that. If Michigan goes and gets a transfer guard this offseason, it'd be the same deal. Uh, they're not going to be coming in and scoring 16, 17 points per game. I think I think he's been fat, fantastic in Big Ten play, and, and I actually went and looked back because I'm doing a story on, on Devontae, and, and I forgot in December 18th there was a game where he played played really well. I believe it was Southern Utah and ended up writing a story then about how you know, he's kind of shrugging off the, the, um, I guess, uh, hater might be too strong. I don't, I don't know. I guess there were some people that were, were really harsh on him. I think the general consensus was, uh oh, like, may, should he be starting? What can Frankie Collins bring? Is this going to be someone that's, that's, you know, is this closer to Jerron Simmons' impact as a transfer? Or is this closer to, to Mike Smith? Turns out, I, I would argue he, he's had a bigger impact than Mike Smith. Mike Smith, did a lot of great things for Michigan. I, I, this is not to diminish him, but he also, you know, he led the Big Ten in assists because he had a crazy amount of shooting around him. Shondi Brown, Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner, um, you know, just just uh, a lot of guys to pass to and get those assists to. I think Jones has been a little bit more of a, I can take over a segment of this game. And you saw it against Ohio State, but that that isn't, I think that's the most impact that he's had. That isn't the first time that he has, taken the rock and said, this is going to be my moment. You know, this is going to be an opportunity for me uh, to, to really kind of lead the scoring, lead the charge. I uh, feel like he's done that. Even if they haven't always won, I feel like he's done that a few times in the last month or so. And I would also say, you know, Terrence Williams is someone, uh, he kind of gives me that feeling where, okay, if he can play like that or shoot like that, maybe not six for seven or six for eight from three <laughs> the whole month. Obviously that would help Michigan a great deal, but, but kind of in that, that 40% shooting 50% overall shooting uh, 40% three point shooting kind of be a shooter off the bench and be, I mean, he's always had that energy, uh, you know, maybe not the same role as what Jordan Poole was. Cause Jordan Poole was coming. He would, you know, they, they nicknamed him the microwave because he could come in and, and provide instant scoring. But but Terrence brings instant energy, and and I think his decision making has improved throughout the season. I think sometimes he's he can he could have been up and down earlier in the season in terms of you know, where he's passing the ball or who he's defending or how he defends a ball screen. I think he's he's transitioning to a player who's just really a, a great asset off the bench. And you know, I you know, Caleb Houston had a brutal game uh, against Ohio State probably one that he he cannot wait to play a different game so that he doesn't have to think about that game anymore. Uh, but, but he's also come along strong lately as well. So I think in my opinion, I think there's, there's now more uh, supplemental scoring to what Hunter Dickinson brings, because I think in the NCAA tournament, not, not everyone's the big 10, right? You don't have to face Kofi Coburn and Zach Eady and, and some of these other big 10 big men every single night, but there are going to be people who double team Hunter Dickinson. And so they are going to need different players to come in and score and produce. I don't know if they have a great second option, a guy who is going to bring you 15 points a night, but they have three guys and maybe four, if you want to throw Terrence Williams in there, uh, who can probably give you 10 to 
to 12 points a night. You know, Caleb Houston, Devontae Jones. I think Eli Brooks, you know, constantly overlooked. I think he's still, um, you know, he has had a lot of double-digit scoring games down the stretch as Michigan's tried to solidify its NCAA tournament standing. So I I personally think it it, it is going to depend on shooting and it is going to depend on matchups. But I see a team capable of making it to the second weekend, which I think most people would call a successful season for Michigan. If they make it to the sweet 16, I think obviously fans will want as much as they can get. But I think if you look at what this team is, what they were in November, I have seen enough progress to, to believe. And I saw a little bit on the, a lot more on the defensive side of the ball Sunday than I had been previously. If that defense is a, a, a signal or signifying of what Michigan can defend like in March, maybe with the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe with a little bit more motivation with the season on the line. I think that there is a second weekend team. Alejandro, any reason I'm wrong here or are you on the same page as me uh, where you're, you're starting to see a little bit of, of uh, a little bit of clarity on what this team's potential is, what their ceiling is heading into the postseason. I'll say this much for the Michigan basketball team is they have been nothing if not entertaining this year. If you erase all of the preseason expectations where people were talking immediately, like, you know, Musa and Caleb Houston and Devontae Jones were going to come in and they were going to lead this team to the final four in the national championship. You know, in that context, of course, the season has been a little bit of a letdown. But to your point, if you look at the season as a whole and you look at where this team has come since November, you are seeing Musa Diabate like turn from a freshman who who looked like a deer in the headlights every time he t- touched the ball to someone who can put up a an impressive performance against EJ Liddell, one of the best players in the league, and he's facing some of the you know, he's, he's facing some of the best foremen in college basketball when you're playing in the Big Ten. You've seen Caleb Houston. Did he have a great night against Ohio State, a great afternoon against Ohio State? No. Was it good? Also no. Was it average? Also no. Uh, he went 0 for 10 and was getting mocked by the Ohio State student section every time he touched the ball. But he has gone from someone who looked lost defensively to someone who you know, he picked up two steals against the Buckeyes. He had that heady play where he was falling out of bounds and flipped the ball over his head for a fast, you know, for a fast break. And he has gotten more aggressive driving to the basket. If you look at Michigan as a whole, they are inconsistent. They can be very, very bad, but their highs are incredibly high. You know, there are not many teams who lose their top scorer the day of the game going into Ohio State and pull off a comfortable win. There are not many teams that blow Purdue out of the water or Michigan State. You know, those are the highs. That is what this team can achieve. And if it can string that together, it can reach the Sweet 16. You know, the highs are are that potential that we all thought this team could be back in October. And while it hasn't always come together, you see the flashes sometimes. And we saw that on Sunday against Ohio State. Now the question is, can it be done consistently? 
so far this season, that answer has been no, right? You look at yep. the, the win-loss record for, for the past 10 games, it's basically alternating. And I think you mentioned it before, but, but Michigan has had a, a brutal Big Ten schedule, you know, partly because of their cancellations, because of COVID, they've played a lot of, they, they, they've compressed their schedule a lot. And we've seen tired legs out there. You know, we've seen games, you know, Hunter Dickinson has missed a couple games, you know, for unrelated illnesses, one of them being recovering from COVID. You know, you've seen a team that's been without a Ted coach for five games. You know, you, you've seen a lot of puzzle pieces not always be available on, on any given night. And, you know, you just kind of hope that that come the end of the season, those finally start to click. And we saw it click against Ohio State. Yep. You know, now the question is, does, does that continue for more than one game at a time? Because we're at that point in the season where it has to be, or there is no more season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I think in a story recently, I, I called it an arduous season for Michigan in a lot of ways. I mean, they, the players will say they block out preseason expectations. Of course it was on their mind. Of course they're thinking like, man, Hunter's back, second team All-American, probably got the best transfer in the entire country in the offseason, Devontae Jones, the number one or number two recruiting class in the entire country on top of a Big Ten leading recruiting class the year prior. I mean, you know, of course they were thinking it too. And and so how do you, all of a sudden you're you're blowing a home lead to Seton Hall you you get smoked by Arizona, um, and you don't you don't fully get off the mat either. I mean, it's not it wasn't just early hiccups. I mean, they they lost at home to Minnesota. They got smoked by North Carolina, and then then the Central Florida game. That's I think maybe when when the reality set in, like oh oh, there's a lot of work to be done. And of course, as soon as they have that wake up call, they have a COVID outbreak. They don't get to practice five on five for two weeks. You know they 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 lose to Illinois, uh, and suddenly they're on the wrong side of the bubble. I mean they're they're in the 60s in in the net rankings. I was just charting it today, and then as soon as they start getting into a groove, they have a ugly loss at Wisconsin that obviously leads to a lot of uh, distraction. I mean no matter no matter what your perception of of that that scuffle was with Wisconsin, it was the talk of the college basketball world. And and if you're a player. You know, that, that, that all of these are hiccups that can hinder you. They can, I guess, cause you to lose focus on what you can build and what you can accomplish. Because John Beeline has, has a great line. He always, says that, he always says he judges a team and whether it was a successful season or not, did they get the most that they could out of the team that they had? Because not every team is going to be Baylor or Gonzaga or, you know, sticking to the Big Ten, maybe in Illinois or Purdue. Some teams are going to have to take the longer journey to, to that contention level. Um, you know, just either you're too young or you don't have quite the right pieces or, or injuries mount. And I think this team getting the most that it can, I think, I think is that second weekend. I think it's a top four-ish Big Ten team and or making it to the second weekend. And so there are a lot of reasons for Michigan to kind of stray from that focus. I give them a lot of credit. I don't, I don't believe that they have. And, and I, you know, the, the remaining concern, I think you mentioned the consistency. I think there's two things. 
do they defend hard for 40 minutes? And do they shoot adequately? If those two things happen, there's probably 10 teams in the country that can beat Michigan. If those two things don't happen, there's like 150 teams in the country that can beat Michigan. And so, um, you know, I think that's, that's going to be a thing is, is, you know, when you're a, when you're a high seed, when you're like a one seed or a two seed in the NCAA tournament, you can get away with being a little bit of an up and down team, but Michigan, I mean, they're facing a situation, say they lose to Indiana, which is, would fit that win loss, win loss pattern. They might be in the first four. And then you have to play maybe a red hot Memphis team. And then you got to turn around and play a play a surging five seed team like a like a UConn or a Texas or something like that. Like you don't you can't have an off night, I guess is my point. And so that's that's where I have a lot of pauses. I think the shooting, um, I feel like you know, the ball is consistent in the NCAA tournament. You're not bouncing from one arena to the next. You don't have that issue. But you gotta be able to defend consistently. And that's where I think the Ohio State game was was such a breakthrough for Michigan because I think I think a lot of the moments of good defense that they've had turned into an entire second half. You know, where they were eh, maybe maybe not in the final five, eight minutes, they, they weren't defending quite as well. But that first 12 minutes of that second half, that was elite defense. Ohio State missed some shots, sure, but every single shot was contested. Every single loose ball was was chate pursued after. I think they set a season high in steals uh, in in the whole game. I mean, it was just a really, really ambitious and and focused defensive effort. And who knows? Maybe maybe not having Hunter Dickinson forced everyone to kind of reflect and think. No, I have to be on every every possession. And maybe that's sometimes that's what a team can benefit from. Sometimes the the adversity can help because it it just it forces every player to kind of realize how much more they can give. I think Terrence Williams might be a perfect situation. He went into that game knowing it had to be one of his best games of his career. And he played like it. I mean, not just the shooting, but, but all over the ball. Um, anyway, let's, let's turn our attention a little bit to the Big Ten tournament. I want to ask you, Alejandro, I mean, we've both been covering Phil Martelli's five-game stretch of... of Michigan basketball, being the head coach, the acting head coach. I don't think he'll have any issue taking a back seat. Curious what you think the impact of, of Jawan Howard's return is. I mean, Phil Martelli would, would obviously be the first to tell you it, it'll be celebrated. I, I, my, my experience covering Michigan and getting players' thoughts on Jawan Howard, they, they love him. I don't think this will be – I don't think there will be any like weirdness or distraction. I almost think they'll almost be – too excited to play for him where where like you know Jawan will probably be like hey we gotta we still gotta get to work uh you know this isn't this, I, I know everyone's happy but but you know it's still got to be a a grind you know in practice and everything but your thoughts on on his return maybe your thoughts on Phil Martelli's time as as acting head coach went three and two with with wins over Michigan State and Ohio State so I think most would would give that passing grades uh, but but your kind of thoughts on the changing or the passing of the torch back to Jawan Howard as head coach? Uh, I, I want to start by saying this. Phil Martelli was the best thing that Michigan basketball could have hoped for in the aftermath of the, the Jawan Howard incident. 
the optics on that were awful. I was in Madison. I was writing my game story, finishing up the last touches, about to hit publish when, you know, there's a melee in the background and I look up and there are, you know, punches or slaps or whatever you call it being thrown and teams are converging. And then I was, you know, in in the bowels of the Cole Center 20 minutes later when Juwan Howard sat up there flanked by his players and didn't apologize and didn't show remorse for what was a stain on the Michigan basketball program. Now you can, and people have debated whether he was, you know, provoked and, you know, what his role was, who really instigated everything. Uh, But the fact of the matter is that Michigan needed someone to step in and be accountable and lead Michigan through really turbulent waters And thank goodness they had Phil Martelli because that's exactly what he did. Uh, A plus in my book. And I think both from a coaching perspective, from a leadership perspective inside the program, and also less importantly, but, but it is important in today's day and age is the optics of what he presents as his public persona to the media and to the fans and, you know, to, to the college basketball world. Phil Martelli was exactly what Michigan needed and he did a fantastic job and he will take that back seat as probably the only coach in Michigan athletics history in any sport to be undefeated against Michigan state and Ohio state. So kudos in terms of, in terms of moving back to Juwan Howard, I don't think it will be an issue. Phil Martelli, you know, the first thing he said after every single game and pretty much before every single game that he was the acting head coach was deflecting praise onto Juwan Howard and Howard Isley and Saudi Washington. You know, if you were to believe Phil Martelli, he didn't do any coaching for the past few weeks because it was all Juwan Howard's, you know, out of timeout plays. It was Juwan Howard's sets that he has been concocting over the past couple of years as, as coach and it was, you know, Sour, or Saudi Washington, Howard Isley running the offense and running the defense. And he was just, you know, Phil was just standing up and calling timeouts. I don't believe that. I, I believe Phil, uh, Phil Martelli did plenty of coaching over these past few weeks. Um, but when you have, when you have a leader like that, who is at least on the outside, so willing to be humble, to deflect praise and take responsibility. I think that sets up Michigan very well to transition back to Juwan Howard, who I'm sure has been watching every single game and just dying to get back with the program. Yeah, we we, we heard from a couple players. You know, Hunter Dickinson visited him, uh, and and I think that's that's the thing that will be. I I I can't wait until you know Juwan Howard's first interview because I think that's that will be the interesting part. He might not give us this answer, but I am so curious, like, what is it like? Cause he built this team. I mean, we, you know, we can talk about the job Phil Martelli did and everything, but the culture, the plays, um, the identity of this team, the roster makeup. I mean, this is, this is John Howard's team. And, and I'm just, I, I, I'm so fascinated because I don't think we've really seen this a ton where, where a coach basically just has to like 
he's not even allowed in the building, which was really, I was a little surprised by, I guess that, that it makes some sense, but, but I, I just assumed he wouldn't be coaching those five games. I didn't realize he couldn't even practice with the team. And so, you know, he's been probably, I mean, I don't know if he FaceTimed in or what, but I mean, he's, he's probably got a lot of interesting thoughts on, on this team, you know, cause he goes, he goes from being as hands-on as you can possibly be with the Michigan basketball team to, basically having to watch like the rest of us for two weeks. And so, um, you know, curious, you know, how the minute allocation changes or, or, you know, some of the things he tells certain players, I know he's, he's one of the more uh, hands-on players in terms of like coaching, like, like one-on-one coaching in terms of like coaching Hunter Dickinson or coaching Musa Diabate or, or some of these other players. I mean, he's very engaged, very involved in that stuff. And, and so ask Wisconsin, he is very hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, you know, there is something to be said, curious to see how he just handles because other, other opposing fan bases at the big 10 tournament, of course, they're going to, they're, they're going to crack their jokes or make their shots and, and, uh, and do all that. And so uh, that will be a part of the reflection as well. But, but in terms of, you know, the big 10 tournament and everything uh, really curious to see, you know, what kind of, what kind of changes he makes, because I think any of us in our jobs, if we were told, you can't, you know, if you and I were told you can't touch your laptop for two weeks, I mean, you'd come back and, and you'd be, you'd have all sorts of crazy ideas on what to write and, and things you'd want to accomplish and, and new, new approaches to the job. Um, yeah, I think anyone, anyone who has a job like, the, you know, never told that they're passionate about and they're told don't, can't do it for two weeks. I mean, that, that, that would just be the ultimate motivator for me. Um, got to think, got to think it will be for him. Uh, and, and I think the players are excited for him based on everything we've heard. I mean, it's, it, which makes sense. They all committed to him. They all love Juwan. <laughs> I've never, never heard, not even like just publicly, never heard privately uh, anything negative from a player perspective about Juwan Howard. And so, um, yeah, going to be, going to be really interesting. We're going to take a, a real quick break on the other side. We'll talk about the big 10 tournament. Some of the things we're watching for and preview uh, Michigan's, bracket and matchups down in indianapolis you're listening to the wolverine 24 7 podcast it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So now we can, now we got to talk about the next game. I mean, it's not going to be until Thursday. They, they play Indiana, uh, you know, team eight, nine game. It's I, they've, they've had success in the eight, nine bracket before, you know, in 2016, they, they beat Northwestern. Then in the, then they upset top seeded Indiana on the cam Chapman three pointer to clinch a NCAA tournament berth. The next year, they, 
Um, they beat Illinois in that eight, nine game. And then they, they beat Purdue the very next day and route to a big 10 tournament title. So, so it's certainly, you know, eight, eight, nine might not seem like a, a, a game that the a champion or contender can come out from, but you know, with how loaded the big 10 is, you know, Indiana, they're, they're also playing for their NCAA tournament lives. They're probably more, they have less margin for error than Michigan does. I think Michigan, as long as they keep it close, I do have a full bracket breakdown looking at it, but I think as long as they don't, you know, lose by so much that they, they fall far in the net rankings. I think that they're going to be in. I think the number I've, I've been kind of telling people is maybe number 35 right now. They're number 31, you know, a bad loss might drop them further, but if they keep it within 10, I actually like Michigan's odds of, of making the NCAA tournament quite a bit. Indiana, they need, they need this win badly. If they don't win this, they're probably not in. It's it's that simple, and and you know everyone knows how much Indiana fans love their basketball team. You know the, the the support. It'll be it'll be interesting because I think this is a weird game where it's it might feel a little bit more like a road game than a typical Big Ten tournament game. You know, I've seen Indiana take over uh, what used to be called Banker's Life Fieldhouse before. I don't know if eleven uh, thirty Eastern time on a Thursday morning is going to be that that kind of situation. But I think there, there's a chance that it could be. And, and then I also think there's the part where this Michigan team, I think they really thrive on revenge. And, you know, they've, they've avenged a lot of their losses already this season. Uh, you know, I think, think Michigan State stands out, Rutgers, Purdue. They, they've made a, a, lot of, a lot of adjustments. So how do you – I'm curious about the motivation – against probably the only team that they've, they've completely dominated this season. You know, even, even Nebraska had, had a little bit in that second game. Uh, it seemed like they, they had Michigan on the ropes a little bit. I mean, pretty much every other team has had success against Michigan in some form, even if they didn't win, but Indiana hasn't. So that'll be, that'll be really interesting. Uh, Alejandro, your early thoughts on, on this bracket, obviously the winner will face Illinois friday at the same time i think that's one sneaky thing if michigan can really get into a, a shooting groove they they go into that matchup with a rhythm against illinois but but regardless uh your thoughts on this indiana matchup and and kind of the the interesting dynamics at play yeah i mean f- first thought is that i was very disappointed uh that that illinois got that you wanted the wisconsin didn't you oh man like <laughs> The storyline, of course, but also I, I, I have, I don't think I've been impressed watching Wisconsin basketball a single time this season. Apologies to, uh, to all the listeners out in Madison right now, but uh, I, I do think Illinois is a much worse matchup for Michigan than than Wisconsin would be uh, if you know if it comes to that. Uh, but as we're looking at Indiana, um, you know, I. You start with you start with Hunter Dickinson and you start with Trace Jackson Davis, and that is just not a matchup that has gone well for the Hoosiers. Any time that those two have faced off against each other, it did not go well for them uh, when they played uh, a few weeks ago in Bloomington, uh, and that was a game where uh, not only was Dickinson a monster inside. I mean, he scored twenty five points. He went nine for twelve from the field. That's also the first game where he really flexed his muscles from beyond the arc. Um, yeah, he's cooled off of late. I don't necessarily think that 
you can expect him to be sinking three of four three-pointers on a, on a day-to-day basis. But as we've talked about uh, earlier on this show, Michigan has developed some secondary scores. Um, you know, when it's not Dickinson, sometimes it's Caleb Houston, sometimes it's Terrence Williams, sometimes it's Musa Diabate, and now pretty, consistent, pretty consistently it's Devontae Jones making it all happen. I think Michigan, if you're looking at the arc of this season, Michigan is an improved product from four weeks ago, from eight weeks ago, from 12 weeks ago. If you look at Indiana, I don't think you can say the same thing. They've lost seven of their last nine games. But with that, their backs are against the wall. And yeah, you're fighting for your tournament chances. You know, that changes things. I think to your point, 11.30 a.m. in Indianapolis on a Thursday, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the best, uh, the best atmosphere in, in that cavernous venue formerly known as Bank- Banker's Life Fieldhouse and will always be known as Banker's Life Fieldhouse in my head. Uh, but I do think Michigan, given how inconsistent it's been, given how it feels like they haven't played a stretch with everyone available to them all season because of, you know, self-inflicted suspensions and illnesses and and everything. Uh, And and given that they are still on that bubble, even if they're more on the comfortable side of it, I think they have every motivation to come out and get that rematch against Illinois and firmly cement themselves in the dance. Yeah. Cause if they beat Indiana, there's, there's no question. It's just a matter of if they, if they can get a 10 seed instead of an 11 seed and avoid the play in game, which obviously I don't think anyone really wants to do to spend a Wednesday night in Dayton having to play for, for the chance to play in a NCAA tournament. So it's, it's uh, certainly, I mean, there should be motivation. I don't know. I don't know what's going on inside Michigan's locker room. Uh, I would think that there, there ought to be motivation. <laughs> I mean, cause you can also, it's not Michigan has done it. They, they have gone from eight seed to big 10, tournament champions so it's it's really not like this this outlandish idea and so um yeah i think i if you're a michigan fan you you hope that there's motivation but that 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 indiana game is so fascinating to me because it was it was 14 to 5 i mean that game was over immediately i mean it was like barely before i think a lot of michigan fans had even like started watching (laughs) the game was like basically uh, Michigan's to lose. And, and you mentioned Hunter Dickinson's excellent outside shooting. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, is there, I don't think there's a single big 10 fan base that's less impressed by trace Jackson Davis in Michigan, because both times that he has faced the Wolverines, um, I think he eventually, I mean, he got to 17 points. It's not like he was, he was terrible, but, but it just, it just seemed like Hunter Dickinson could do whatever he wanted in that game. And it felt that way last season two so yeah it's gonna I, I think a lot of it's gonna just come down to you know kind of the guard play I mean Devontae Jones he's not I don't know if he's gonna be able to have as much space I think that's one one interesting development of that of um you know Hunter Dickinson being out is I I think I think there's a little less attention in the post and so he had a few more open lanes or lanes he made open uh to to the rim so that that will be something to watch, but I think I think really 
you know, Indiana, they, 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 you, they've struggled. They haven't been as good. I, I think quietly their last two losses have been still somewhat impressive performances, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, if you're holding Purdue to, to 69 points and you're, you're leading, you're have a chance to win late, you know, Rutgers, uh, that was another game that ended weirdly. Another three point loss, uh, 66, 63. So I think, I think there's some interesting developments. They're 10th in the country in two point defense, um, block a lot of shots, 14 and a half percent of all shots that they face. So there's, there's some intrigue there. You know, they've got, they've got a few veterans and a few guys who, who were once recruited by Michigan, you know, race Thompson, uh, Miller cop, you know, Xavier Johnson is a, is a transfer. I, I, I think there are, he's another guy. He's one of those, maybe not quite, as steady as Devonte Jones, but he's another guy where it's like, man, when the light switch turns on for him, it, it, he is really, uh, you can, you can see why he was such a coveted transfer prospect. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to me, just, you know, one, the atmosphere two how Michigan shoots, because the one thing about the Thursday, you don't get a ton of time to, to shoot with the new ball or to shoot in the sight lines of, of that court. Um, not that it's like a huge difference, but, but a lot, there's a, a little bit of a hypothesis among big 10 reporters that sometimes either playing late in the, in the day on, on Thursday or being able to play an extra game before your opponent allows you to, to maybe get into a shooting groove just cause you get, you get a few more opportunities to shoot with that ball or, or, or even in that arena. Um, anyways, Alejandro, can I can I press you for a prediction for how this weekend goes, and and maybe, uh, do you, I mean, it sounds like you think that Michigan will be going dancing, but any any final thoughts on on this week ahead? Yeah, uh, you can press me on anything you want, and my answer will be that Michigan will win on Thursday. I think they'll win pretty comfortably. Uh, I don't think they have enough to to take down Illinois. I know it's probably hard for, you know i don't know what the statistics are to back this up it's probably hard to oh the three three times three, three times <laughs> in a season uh i i just don't think similar to how how dickinson and trace jackson davis that matchup has gone dickinson and kofi coburn has not gone well and yeah, illinois just has michigan's number they, it, they do the I, three-point you know, shooting the big man i mean it's just a bad matchup for the wolverines it's it's a bad matchup and you know maybe there is something to getting an extra day uh, in Indianapolis, getting some shots in and being more comfortable with with the venue, and I'm sure that Hunter Dickinson would love to would love to beat the Illini, given how much he talked about them in the off season. I don't see it happening, uh, but I would, you know, if I'm a Michigan fan, I would be happy with really firmly stamping that NCAA tournament spot with a win over Indiana you know, feeling comfortable, you know, getting a game back with, with John Howard, hopefully getting Hunter Dickinson back and healthy and back up to speed and hoping that all those pieces are, are clicking together um, come the NCAA tournament. And if you were pressing me for a champion this weekend, which you didn't, but I'm going to give you one anyway, uh, it's, it's going to be Nebraska. You know, they're just going <laughs> to. <I'm just> <laughs> hey, hey know, if they win one more game. That road win counts as a quadrant two road win for the Wolverines. There you go. The the one, you know, hundred point game that we all forgot about in early December. 
Um, I, I, I do think Purdue is the most talented team in the Big Ten. Uh, they are, it seems, an enigma every single year when it comes to March. Uh, but they are just so, you know, when everything is working for them, they seem so unstoppable uh, that, you know, I would pick them winning the Big Ten tournament and pick them going the farthest out of the conference in uh, in the dance. What about you? I I can't get past. I, I just think Illinois is that team. Um, I I think they've quietly had a lot of injuries and uh, I don't know if adversity is the right word, but but they've had a lot of guys missing. I think they I think there's a stat out there that in terms of your starting or your key rotation players, they actually lead all high major teams. Uh, I might have wanted to double check. They lead all Big Ten teams in terms of of rotation players, games missed. Um, I I think they're still trying to get it all together, but I think they're a team that actually benefited from that. You know, guys like uh, Trent Frazier, Alfonso Plummer, you know, guys who who were going to be pretty key contributors anyways, but they had to step up as as like the the guy a few times, and so now I think they've come out of it and and um, you know quietly a team that that just looks like the best team in the Big Ten. I, I know Michigan fans are. Love, love, love to mention that Illinois hasn't been to a second weekend and like a gener- I mean, they're recruiting guys who haven't been, who weren't alive the last time Illinois made it to a second weekend. So um, maybe that continues, but but they look like that team. Keep an eye on Iowa, though. I mean, they're a team that almost beat Illinois yesterday. Um, Michigan beat them in Iowa City, but other than that, they've really been stomping teams. I think that they offensively just um, hard team, hard team to stop. And I'm with you. I'm kind of, I'm looking at Wisconsin. I'm like, I don't know if I'm seeing what, what, you know, the, the record is better than their, their level of play has suggested. Um, Purdue. I did, I wasn't overly impressed with them at Indiana or against Indiana. And, and that was a, that was a big one. I mean, I, I'm sure Indiana wanted it more than, than Purdue necessarily did, but at the same time, I mean, I think, I think what, what always gets me about Purdue and why they struggle in March is there, there's, there's just, I think teams figure out how to defend Purdue. And I just, I don't think that they have the defense this year to, to lead to a big run. They have the shooting and they have the size, but I think any, any coach who, you know, can put together, I mean, I think, you know, Juwan Howard showed it, any coach who can make adjustments and get his team to, to buy into those adjustments. I think they're going to be able to get Purdue the second time they face the Boilermakers. So I've got Illinois winning it all. I've got Iowa as my dark horse. And I don't know if I was supposed to make another prediction. But uh, in terms of Michigan, I think I think they beat Indiana. I do. And I think they avoid that, that play-in game. Still wonder if they might end up as an 11 seed. But if not, it'll be, it'll be a 10 seed. Lots of like about the Wolverines. But, but you know, I think... Not just for the storylines, but I think I'm with you. I think they would have, I think they could have beaten Wisconsin in a rematch. I'm not quite as sold on them doing that to Illinois. Anyway, oh, go ahead. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I am looking forward to to watching a lot of basketball over the next few days in Indianapolis and then uh, seeing where the season takes us, um, whether that's Big Ten or whether that's NCAA tournament or, or what have you. But uh, love, love, love this time of the year. There is nothing quite like it. 
and I can't wait to, to experience it all in person. Yep, and, and you will get that in-person coverage over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. For Alejandro, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Stay tuned. I, I, I imagine Tim McCormick and Sam Webb will have one later this week talking about maybe a little bit more of the X's and O's of this matchup, and obviously uh, lots of coverage to come both in written form and audio form. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.